Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is football correspondent Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been? I've been okay, Bryce, thanks. Uh, really busy weekend, um, loads of football on, but yeah, it's nice to see um, lots of goals go in, which is what we had, of course. Yeah, it was quite the weekend, wasn't it, which we'll get to rather shortly. But joining Chris and I, as always, is Manu Veth. Manu, how have you been? Worked to the bone by the signs of things. It's been a busy weekend, but very good, Bryce. Um, very good weekend. I think we we had a very exciting weekend of football, so... Yeah, really, really looking forward to, to talk about it all. How about you? How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. I must say I enjoyed having the Bundesliga back, uh, the the uh, club football rather than the international football. Uh, things didn't quite go as planned for Northern Ireland, but uh, hey, we don't expect very much, to be honest. But let's talk about international football quickly before we go into the match day. Uh, and I think this is where we need to go to Manu again and talk about Germany. So um, there was three games for Germany. We had a friendly 1-0 win against Czech Republic. Not a problem. Then we went into the uh, Nations League and we had uh, Germany beating Ukraine. Not a problem. 3-1. Then there was a bit of an issue. And I think everybody was talking about this uh, during the week, whether they were into German football or not. And that was uh, Spain winning 6-0. Yes, 6, that is. Uh, Manu, it's been a while since Germany have conceded so many goals. And yeah, this... This is a pretty bad sign. Things had maybe not been perfect um, in recent times, but this this is this is colossal. Yeah, it's very bad. Um, it's it's historic in many ways, right? Um, it's the kind of history that you don't want to write. It's the highest defeat for for German national team since 1931 when they lost six 0 to Austria. Their previous highest defeat in a competitive fixture was an eight three defeat um, in, against Hungary in the 1954 World Cup, a tournament that they actually ended up winning in the final against Hungary, right? So very quickly forgotten that one. At the end of the day, it's okay for for you to lose against Spain. I, I think it doesn't matter who you are as a national team. If you lose to Spain, that happens. It's 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 a, it's a very competitive country, right? It's a World Cup winning country, and it's a country that still produces some of the best footballs, maybe the best footballs footballers in the world. At the same time, though, what is what is very worrying is the the matter of the result is the. The fact that there was almost no resistance in the first and second half when all those goals went in. And keep in mind that this was a side that very much played with their first team. I think what kind of surprised me, and I've been someone who's defended Joachim Löw for quite some time, but I really think in this game, you could really tell that he's not reaching the players anymore. There is a chance, there is a chance that on December 4th, there will be some major changes coming that could include, although I'm not... I'm not that optimistic, but could include Joachim Löw maybe still having to go. Manu, who would that potentially mean could come into that position? I mean, it's it, it's a big spot. Um, and who's available? I've been saying this quite a bit. I think Ralf Rangnick is the man to come in. 
and um, to take over that position right now. But other than that, yeah, not 100% sure yet who's going to be that person in charge and what they're going to do. But for me personally, Ralph Rangnick is the man to do it. Well, as Manu said, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens, whether he is able to hold on to his job. Uh, time will tell. But th- th- that's international football out of the way for a while, uh, five months, I believe. So let's talk about the Bundesliga. We're all glad that it's back. And that was match day eight that we've just witnessed. And yeah, there was plenty of goals, plenty of drama, um, as always. Uh, so um, I suppose we may start here. I wasn't planning to do that, but uh, of course, uh, I, I was surprised uh, myself as well. I haven't seen it from the TV yet uh, with a good angle. It's a mistake and uh, there's going to be some uh, funny funny jokes about me in the coming days, but uh, we won the game. That was Lukas Rudetsky, Bayer Leverkusen goalkeeper, after a well, a rather unfortunate uh, own goal, a, a bit of a slice uh, of the ball, but it uh, rolled into the back of his own net. Thankfully, his team came through winning 2-1 with a late Dragovic uh, winner on the 88th minute against Armenia. Um, and yeah, as you can hear there from that interview, he wasn't really that bothered, was he? So let's um, let's talk a little bit about Leverkusen. It was Peter Boss's birthday. Uh, what a present that was for them to come through with the three points. The six games have now won in a row, unbeaten this season. Chris, uh, should we be talking about Leverkusen as potential uh, title contenders? Um, I'm going to say no. Whether they can qualify for top four, I think is probably in their own hands. Um, I just don't think they've got the quality, unfortunately, to win the title. But yeah, as I say, top four should be well within their reach. Manu, have you seen a much improvement uh, this time round from Peter Bros' side? I mean, normally we would say, yes, they've got plenty of goals, but then they're very leaky at the back. Uh, on this occasion, yes, they did concede, but uh, a little bit uh, unfortunate. Um, w- would you say that they're a, a bit of a stronger unit now? They've, they've got players like uh, Bailey as, as well. That seems to be uh, hitting a bit of form. XG against them was zero. I mean, that's very good. Um, without Radetzky's mistake, they, they don't concede there. So I do think they've improved quite a bit. I do agree, though, with, with Chris. I, I can't see a title challenge at the moment. It's uh, they, they just don't have to seem to have the depth um, in the squad necessary for it. And I do think that there's at least three teams that are better than they are. But look, um, big result last week, the week before the international break against Gladbach, and then this result to to come back from a, from a game like that and win it. Um, I think for them, the top four is very much where they want to be. Strong keeps Martinez at bay. There is Maximilian Eggestein. And there is the goal that Bremen have deserved in this game. They've been carving out opportunity after opportunity. And finally, they've managed to breach the wall that is Manuel Neuer. Bayern were a little bit off. They looked maybe a little bit tired. There was players away uh, and then returning. And they weren't quite at the races. Well, what do you think the issue was? It didn't quite happen for them on Saturday against Werder Bremen, who set up their stall excellently, I thought. I thought Florian Kofelt set his team up perfectly to negate Bayern. They were quite deep and then wanted to play on the counter. And as their confidence grew, that initial game plan sort of fell by the wayside and they became the more dominant force. Um, I'll leave it to Manu to talk about Manuel Neuer and how good he is. But Manuel Neuer was my man of the match and... I think it's very rare you see a Bundesliga game, especially against someone like um, Werder Bremen, where the goalkeeper's the man of the match. I thought Josh Sargent was excellent. Rashika should have had a couple more on another day. Um, Bayern are missing a few key players. Yeah, I think that, that Neuer was definitely the man of the match. 
I think he was he was excellent. He's been in brilliant form for quite some time now. I mean, he's, I think he's very much cemented um, his position as one of the world's best keepers again, which is something that we did not expect maybe after his um, his long injury and then the the amount of time he needed to come back from that injury and regain that form. And I think he was brilliant. He re he rescued Bayern a point. I mean, twice against Sargent. Um, he was he was just fantastic. And the the thing is too that I find amazing about his his ability is that when when he's down and he, the way he comes really quickly back up, um, gets back on his feet, and he just can read the game so well. Um, you know, being able to get to the other side of the net and just be at the right position. And there was a few occasions when Bayern got trapped. Um, very high up, you know, when they have the high defensive line, they can only play that because of Neuer when Sargent kind of got away or Rashica got away from Bayern's defense. Then Manuel Neuer is 20, 30 meters outside of his, uh, out of his box, <laughs> not even outside his goal, outside of his box and just able to break up some of these plays. And it makes a huge difference. And I think that, you know, he, he basically rescued the side a point. And I think that, Bayern, I think Chris, you are hundred percent. You spot on. I think this, it's they're playing too many games. They, they they were not able to go into that extra gear. I was, I was talking about that on on Twitter, right? And Dejan Lovren, the former Liverpool player, pointed this out that it's just too many games at the moment. Usually, they would have been able to bring on three, four players from the bench, and they did exactly that. But this time around, these three, four players from the bench just don't have the freshness, the legs to actually make that big of a difference, right? I mean, if you if you Canabri. Um, and Sané coming off the bench and you've played these three international break games, you're not going to be able to have the same impact that you have in a normal season. And I think that a lot of teams are going to benefit from it. It's it's for the betterment of the league. It's not great for Bayern and it's not great for the best players because we want to see the best players in the field. But for the league overall, this means that maybe we will have more results like this one. Yes, indeed. I, th I think uh, Bayern are going to be tested more than they ever have been with the amount of games that are coming at them thick and fast. Maybe even level the playing field a little bit. Um, and yeah, a lot of responsibility coming to the players that are then on the field. One man that was on the field, I say, man, he's only 17 years old, and that is Jamal Musiala. Um, Someone that we're, we've heard an awful lot about at youth level. Uh, we've seen glimpses of him. We've, he's, he's made a few appearances now for Bayern. He's looked very exciting. Uh, but the, the question that everyone seems to be asking before we even talk about his performance uh, on Saturday, uh, Chris, is he going to end up a German or an English national? It's a good question. Um, I, I would think... I would normally say he should choose Germany, but having seen how um, poor they've played lately, maybe he'll want to hook up with his New England um, setup, uh, which is probably just as bad, to be honest. Um, I think whoever he chooses, it'll be the right time for him to make that decision. I personally haven't got a horse in this race, um, so whether he chooses England or Germany, it's no skin off my nose. But um, whoever he does choose will get a quality player. Obviously, he's only 17 um, Hansi Flick's trusted him um, with his first Bundesliga start. He's, he's come off the bench a couple of times and, and scored a couple of good goals, most notably against Schalke and Frankfurt. He's also had, uh, I think it's one minute of Champions League action. So he's certainly getting uh, the right sort of experience in the Bundesliga. Um, I think maybe his national team focus can wait for a bit. But um, yeah, big start for him. I thought he played really well. Um, I think maybe he was quite unfortunate um, that he started in a game 
where Bayern weren't particularly good, didn't create that many chances. But I think early on in the game, for about the first 10, 15 minutes, Bayern did dominate certain parts of it. And Musiala was really involved, um, linking up well with um, Lewandowski, etc. And Muller around him, really good players. Um, and he seems to be fitted in. So he's, he's come through the system, through the youth systems, played well. Um, and now he's getting his chance. So, yeah, you can only wish him the best, really. But as for who, who he ends up national-wise, I mean, I know Manuel will probably have an idea of it, but, I mean, whoever he chooses is going to get a great player. Manu, let's talk um, a little bit about Bayern's upcoming game. They've got a Champions League match uh, on Wednesday night. They're going to be at home to uh, Salzburg. They've got nine points, that is, in the group. Do you see this being another three, or do you think this is going to be another tricky midweek game for them after you know them looking so flat at the weekend? The way that things have gone in this group, I think Hansi Flick is going to maybe look at this game and say this is a good one to rotate, bring in you know some of the younger players and maybe start... Um, someone like Nyansu and uh, give Mark Rocker some time to play because he hasn't played very much. Um, maybe another start for Jamal Musiala, right? In the end of the day, they're going to get a point out of this one, right? Um, maybe, probably even win it. And the way things have gone in this group, they're pretty much through. But at some point, they have to start rotating. And the way the schedule is going, it's not going to get any easier. I mean, we were talking before the podcast how the Bundesliga ends the weekend before Christmas and starts again literally on January 2nd, right? There is no break this year. And at some point, he will have to rotate some of these players. And they have now won, I think, 14 in a row in the Champions League. I don't think anyone will be very upset if they if they drop two points now because they are going to win the group. Um, so I think this is maybe one where if I was Hansi Flick, I'd be rotating the side a little bit, you know, give this, give some of the big players, give some of the bigger names a little bit of a break. Man, you make a really good point there. Um, and I think this is something that coaches need to maybe get a little bit more. And I mean, far be it from me to tell um, Hansi Flick what to do. But if you look at this particular game, and these these fixtures are coming thick and fast. So this game against um, Werder Bremen, he's got one M4 substitution to make early on. Lucas Hernandez gets injured. After that, he makes three changes on the hour mark. Now, the Bundesliga allows five substitutions. Okay, There's some leagues in, in Europe that aren't allowing that. Managers complain about the, the, the fixtures and, and the way they're going and how tight they are. But to make three substitutions, because I'm going to discount the initial one because that's forced, to make three substitutions when four are available with an eye on the Champions League game midweek, with an eye on the game after that, with an eye on the Champions League after that, and after that, it's a, it's a total rotation of games at the minute. And I just feel that certain coaches aren't rotating as much as they could and should. Um, and then come February or March, I think some of these big teams could be in a real mess. Yeah, you got you got to make use of the. I mean, in the Premier League, they're now talking about bringing it back, right? The five substitution, and I think it makes total sense because the schedule is um, atrocious. I mean, it's it's brutal, and I think at some point too, you will have to look at some competitions. I mean, if you buy in and they're going to win that Champions League group, let's be honest here, then you maybe say, okay, a game like against Salzburg, that is the one that we rotate. Um, a game in the German Cup. Okay, well, then we maybe don't win the cup in one year. Well, no, that's not the end of the world, right? But at the end of the day, the Bundesliga is going to be very difficult this year with the amount of games that they're playing and a lot of teams mounting a bit more of a challenge, right? Making the most out of Bayern's 
heavy heavy schedule on top of all the national team players having to play. So I think they can't really afford resting in the Bundesliga this year. So they have to do it in other competitions and they have to do it with the five substitution. And I, I 100% agree with you. Um, I think coaches really have to make the most out of it because where else are you Where are you going to else are you going to find the rest? You, UEFA and FIFA are not giving the clubs any rest. Um, I mean, I, I, you mentioned it already, but that scheduling of the international break was probably the dumbest decision in world football we've ever made. And um, yeah, I think this is this is going to be an interesting one to follow. Yeah, it's going to be tricky times for uh, any of the sides out there, isn't it? As the season goes on, we've already seen plenty of injuries uh, and rotations, forced rotations. And I think rotations are going to be much needed, aren't they? So... We'll have to see what side they put out in the Champions League now that they're in such a strong position, Bayern. Chris mentioned a little bit earlier, as Bayern had dropped at some points, only picking up the one against Werder Bremen, um, we were looking at other teams to take advantage. Uh, the two sides that we normally look towards uh, are obviously Borussia Dortmund and RB Leipzig. So let's start with Leipzig. They were the team that unfortunately couldn't take advantage. They were playing in the, the first of the two late kickoff games on Saturday uh, and they were hosting Eintracht Frankfurt. That game finished 1-1. They had to come from behind as well. A lovely goal by Paulson, must be said. Um, yeah, Chris, if if we talk about RB Leipzig, you know, they're, they're only two points off the top. Um, it's still very early days, so nobody should be really ruling them out at this stage. You know, they would have liked to have taken those two points and closed that gap and been in the same amount of points as Bayern, sure. But um, it, I suppose it, it's just a bit of an opportunity missed, isn't it? And they didn't quite look at the races either, did they? And while Bayern are in a better position with their Champions League group, they've still got a lot to play for. So they've got a lot of tough games coming up. So it, it's a bit of an opportunity miss. But, but should we be concerned about the performance and maybe what they've got in reserve? This is a sort of a replication of what we've seen the last couple of seasons where Leipzig have had the chance to maybe go to the top of the table. I mean, Leipzig really should have won the title, but they drew too many games from from good positions. And this was another example of that for me. Look at their performances in Europe. When they've been asked to perform on a Wednesday or a Tuesday, it's normally dropped off a little bit on a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, and I just get the feeling that this history, in their very short history, is beginning to repeat itself again. And OK, I know we're only a couple of games into the season, but when they're already looking like they were last season, which is dropping points when they shouldn't, and I've used this in the past, they're just an occasional nuisance. And until they can sort out this ability to see teams out like Frankfurt, who are hot and cold at the minute, I don't think they're going to be serious challenges to the league. Yeah, it's um, you make a very good point there, Chris, because I felt like when, when they made it 1-1, it was almost like job done for Leipzig. It, there was nothing else coming. Um, it was very flat, and um, Nagelsmann then brought on Kluivert, uh, Justin Kluivert, right, for Nkunku, um after he made three substitutions at halftime. And you then look at their bench, and they, there wasn't really that much more firepower on there, um, other than Lasa Samacic, the, the young, the young uh, talent that they brought in from Hertha. But um, it felt almost they were going a little flat, and whether that is because of the international break or the... The, the extra football or maybe just because it's just a little bit extra missing. But I just felt like after it went 1-1, there was nothing really else coming. And that's already after um, Nagelsmann made a triple substitution at halftime. So 
Yeah, it's, I found the, the, the game was a little disappointing from Leipzig in the last 20, 30 minutes. So, Chris, how do we see uh, RB getting on against the uh, likes of PSG this coming week uh, in the Champions League? Another tough game for them. Uh, it's a very close group uh, with PSG and Manchester United. It's um, three points between the top three of that group. Um, do, do, you, do we see that there's maybe a focus on that? Do you think they'll be able to pull it round? Is it, it, or does it all come down to how good PSG are? Oh, I mean, that's a really good question because I, I thought PSG were quite good the last time they played and, you know, they came away victorious then. Um, it's whether they can do it away from home. Can they do it at PSG? I mean, you would normally say that PSG are pretty bulletproof, but Manchester United beat them. And obviously Manchester United then beat Leipzig and then Leipzig obviously then beat PSG. So in the grand scheme of things, uh, uh, yeah, they can go away and win quite easily. It's whether they want to. And Manu touched on this earlier with Bayern. Do they really want to win everything this season? Because it is a strange season and I don't think any club is going to be able to do that. If, if a club does the double this season in a domestic league, it tells me one or two things. Either that league isn't as competitive as it thinks it is or they've got an unbelievable team. Now, Bayern could fall into that second bracket. But for Leipzig, I think they have to make a decision what they want. Do they want to win their first Bundesliga title? Do they want to get to their first Champions League title? Or do they want to win their first um, German Cup at some point? They're going to have to make this decision. Um, and I think for for, uh, for Leipzig, sorry, they should focus 100% on the Bundesliga because it is what they were created for. I know the Champions League is the ultimate prize, but I think being domestic champions of your own league is, is something to celebrate. And I think we're going to get to a stage where not just Leipzig, but I think clubs around them, what do we really want here? Do we want to go and play in a, in a final situation again? Because I think that's what we're going to get because of the way coronavirus is, unless a vaccine gets rolled out pretty soon. I think we might go into that playoff stage again at the end of the season. Or do they want to finally break Bayern's stranglehold on the league? And if if one of those teams can do that, I think it's going to be a real struggle for Bayern to, to maybe go and win the other one because psychologically it'll be a problem for them. So if I'm Julian Nagelsmann, I might just think, do you know what? Last season we did quite well in the Champions League, but this season it's all about the Bundesliga and that's what I want to win. Well, that's it. We've covered RB Leipzig, uh, one of the sides that we said would hopefully take advantage of Bayern dropping some points. They didn't. So let's talk about the side that then did capitalise. Dortmund with the bit between the teeth now. Slotted through beautifully for Erling Haaland. Pulls the trigger. It's two for Haaland, two for Dortmund. Less than five minutes after the break, they've turned the game on its head. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? 
Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. And it's another record for Erling Haaland. Yep, it was that man once again. The Golden Boy Award winner, Erling Haaland. Uh, That was four goals in the second half uh, by him. They were 1-0 down Dortmund. And then they came back to win 5-2 in the end. Uh, What a performance by Dortmund, especially in that second half. And what a performance by him. we're running out of words, Manu, to you know to to say about Holland. He's he, he, just every week. It's we said it's like a cheat code, or it's like he's in Football Manager. The amount of goals that he seems to be scoring, and at such a young age, um, he, he's just phenomenal. But I, I suppose you know the, the Golden Boy Awards. You know, was it deserved? I mean, I'm going to say probably was right. Yeah, there's a lot of debate about it because I think a lot of Bayern fans are a little bit unhappy that uh, Alfonso Davies only finished second. I, I personally, I mean, <laughs> I love you, Fonzie, but um, this is how it had to go to Haaland. He's, there is the impact that he has as a 20-year-old, not just in Borussia Dortmund, but any team that he plays in is unprecedented. This is unbelievable what we're seeing at the moment from him. I mean, the four goals against Hertha, at times, he decides games on his own, and that is the ultimate um, impact player, right? And that's what people, why clubs pay a lot of money for players. And I think when it comes to his age group, the age bracket that it is in, and there's any player born after January uh, 1st, 2001, right? There is no one better than him, and he absolutely deserves it. And this this performance, I think we're, we're slowly running out of words to, to express what he's done. And I think he is Borussia Dortmund's greatest hope to um, unsettle Bayern Munich from the top of the Bundesliga table and finally win a title. Yeah, we'll go to Chris. We'll see if Chris has got any words left uh, to describe him. Uh, it, it, just phenomenal, really. I mean, I mean, a, an outstanding performance, and he, he seems to do this, you know, so often. Yeah, I like the way he had the um, the almost audacity to say that he had a kind of Red Bull at halftime because he was pretty much absent in that first half. I thought he looked frustrated. I thought he looked off the boil. Um, I covered the match report for footballstart.com and yeah, it was it was all about the second half and it was all about Erling Haaland and I mean, Lucien Favre had to ask him at the end, did he score three or was it four? He, he didn't even know um, because that's how good he was and, and the impact he had then obviously spurred um, Guerrero on and it was a real team performance. I thought Dortmund looked a bit flat in that first half but Haaland stepped up and you know, the game was turned on its head inside of five minutes on in, in the second half. And it's not just his ability to score, which, you know, you two guys have said it, he is simply phenomenal. It's it's what he does off the ball. It's his runs that creates a space for their, those in and around him. So not only is he a danger running towards a pass or with the ball at his feet, he's also a danger because you don't know where he's going to go. And, and what do you do when he goes? Do you go with him or do you cover the hole that he leaves behind? Um, he's a truly staggering player and, I'm a little bit like Manu. So I think Alfonso Davies is, is a class player. But unfortunately, um, football's all about goals. And if you do some of that harder defensive work, it's not sexy in inverted commas. So, you know, I think strikers are pretty much like um, singers. You know, singers always get 
the plaudits in a rock band. Uh, you know, the poor old bassist rarely sees very little, but he, he does some of the hardest work going, and, and that's what strikers do. And Holland is, is for me at the minute, he's, he's one of the best in world football. I still think Lewandowski's better, but I think that's because he's older. But you pitch Erling Haaland in this form um, when he's 29 or 30, and his, his ceiling height is it's just staggering. And whether he stays at Borussia Dortmund or whether he moves on, be it this summer or be it next summer, whichever club he decides to settle at, I think will win the title in that particular league for the next four to five seasons. And I think if he joins a top-level class, let's just say he went to Bayern or he went to Liverpool um, or he went to PSG, I think you're looking at a, a side who will win the title and the Champions League year in, year out. Not a problem. We, we talk about Borussia Dortmund producing such talented youngsters and, and they've got so many in the squad at the moment. You, you've got Sancho, uh, you've got Reyna, you've got Bellingham, you know, so many. And and yet they've managed to outdo themselves by bringing on, uh, on Saturday, another one that has you know just turned 16 two days ago in Mokoko. And th- this is a a player that's, you know, if, if you don't know him, you're probably about to find out an awful lot about him. Uh, 88 goal, or he scored 141 goals in 88 games at youth level, which is just phenomenal. Uh, Manu, I, how, how do Dortmund keep doing this? <laughs> they have a very good youth program. And um, sometimes you need luck. I mean, Yusufa Mokuko was... Um, was was scouted, well, not even scouted. He was found by um, by St. Pauli and just because his father and him showed up for a practice without even, they didn't even have his cleats, right? They just asked him if he could play with them. And yeah, I went from there. I mean, he's a, he's a phenomenal talent, Yusufa Mukuku. We have to, we don't want to hype him too much, right? Because um, he's only 16. I think um, this, and this is really the final point maybe of, of the show, is this was the perfect time to... To bring him on because all the focus was on Erling Haaland and Erling Haaland had just scored four goals. He's just won the Golden Boy Award, right? All the focus, all the headlines were were about Erling Haaland at this stage. So um, Yusufu Mokoko couldn't do anything wrong. So this is the perfect way to finally get this debut over with because every everyone in Germany has been talking about this for the, the entire week. Kicker even run like a full-on preview just on him coming on and finally making his debut so i think this was the perfect way of having a nice little silent debut it's out of the way the hype hype train can sort of do its thing now and he can just uh really start you know getting his bundesliga career going and i think this was the perfect way of doing it i'm i'm excited to see him and see him develop but we also have to remember that he's only 16 and he will take will need a lot of time to develop into the player that we all think he's going to become Yes, indeed. He's got a lot of potential and let's just hope that he makes it. But I think step by step for the for the young kids. Well, I think, guys, we've covered just about everything. Um, as we said, it was a rather entertaining match day. It's uh, the Champions League and Europa League is now up uh, midweek for the German side, which will give us more entertainment. And then before we know it, we'll be into match day nine. So uh, until then, thank you very much for listening uh, and we'll be back before you know it. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. Auf Wiedersehen.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.